1: Remember what's going on here on The Big Show. Checking in with the other shows on the Zone Sports Network. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott brought to you today by our good friends at the Murdoch Auto Group. All right, Gordon, you ready? I am ready. Very college football-centric today, as you would expect. Let's start things off with DJ and PK having a conversation about BYU status in the college football world.
2: Has BYU arrived as a football program under Kalani Satake? Beat the youths, check that off the list. Daniel says arrived at what? Big twelve football converts? Chuck Mark joined it. Beat your rival for the first time since '9. Chuck Mark joined it. National ranking. Chuck Mark. Proving last year wasn't a fluke. However, every week we'll see, including this week against Arizona State. So Daniel feels like Okay, well he's getting there, but he hasn't arrived yet. Then nobody's arrived if that's the Because everybody's got to prove it again next week in yeah. Ohio State. Didn't prove it against Oregon, so have they arrived. You've got to prove it all night. Prove it all oh, night. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Good poll right there. Aaron, I was not a Kalani fan for a long time, but my mind is changing. First years were rough, but I think he's coming into his own, got the program where he wants it, and has a good staff. Hopefully, BYU will increase pay for his staff so he can keep them. Actually, the first year was the second best year they've had. Nine and four. (laughs) That was good. So,
3: first year wasn't rough. And then it got rocky. (laughs) Second, third, fourth years. Second year, obviously, about as rough as it's going to get.
2: Another rough year like that, and there wouldn't have been a Kalani Satake era. It would have been over. But Mm -hmm. four and nine went to seven and six, went to seven and six again. Then the 11-win season. And here we sit. 2-0, 2-0, yeah. So Got he's... a little hostility on the page here, PK. Good. <laughs> Josh, they arrived 40 years ago. You can actually look it up and find stuff about Heisman and Outland winners and even the national championship. Oh, yeah, but I said under Kalani Sataki, didn't you? Oh, he? you wanted him to read the whole question? <laughs> he's a BYU fan who's been taking it for 10 years, and he is about to dish it back out.
3: That's great, but that's telling me Charlie Brewer looked great in the Sugar Bowl. That's nice, and that's great, but he ain't look good Saturday night. Doesn't mean he can't look good this Saturday, but last Saturday he did. And in the most important game of his Utah career to date, which is just barely getting started, it wasn't good. Not that it was all his fault by any stretch. Uh, so whatever you did is nice, but what are you doing? And for Kalani Satake, it's important to have the program at a level that consistently win. That's what arrive means. Can it consistently win? Now that doesn't mean going forward you're going to have a slew of 11 win seasons and you're going to win a slew of Big 12 championships.
2: Back-to-back eight win seasons would be good. He hasn't done that yet. He he may well be on his way to it right now. I believe he needs six more. Good math. Nice. (laughs) Solid. And And other people may set the bar. How about back-to-back nine win seasons? Okay, sure. And yeah. then you believe he needs seven more. Oh, oh, to do uh, <laughs> to do the math. Yeah, we're kind
3: of in a, in a little bit of a lull here because these games count; they're very important. Obviously, Saturday night, two ranked teams, blah blah blah. It's a big time game. Uh, won't have the emotion of the Ute game, nor should it. Uh, but the funny thing is, he's answering. And silencing his critics right now, right? Because so far, they've backed up last season, right? So last season they get the eleven wins. Now they're two and zero. Look like you know, they look like they're going to be minimum seven and five, if not more. And so that's going to be good. So I believe he's going to answer the critics from last year, and then. You know, Jaron Hall look like he will he stands to reason if he's healthy, he should be better next season, so they'll probably be okay next season. But then it'll start over again when you go into the Big 12. Can you compete in the Big 12? So it's a little bit funky right now as we go. And I guess maybe to, to an extent you, everyone has to do that. Uh, but, like, Kyle, Kyle Winningham doesn't have to answer, am I a good coach? Now, if they go... Uh, three and nine. Whoa! Then you'll have to answer it next year, right? Yep. I understand that, but he won't be answering it. He's not answering it now. Well, even if the Cougars have two good seasons this year and next year, which they very well could have, it's going to start over again for the program. What can you do now? Because it was the same thing for the Utes. You know, they had been at a high level, and he, had, uh, Kyle, obviously, had a, as a Mountain West coach, had slam-dunked that answer, I'm really good at this level. He had to answer it again. It started from scratch. Now he did. Took him a little bit, but he got there, and are they are by far, by far, it's not even close, by far, the most stable program minimum in the South, and certainly one
2: of the most stable in the conference. So he's that portion well, is long put to bed. To, just to go to the numbers that we were just talking about with BYU, he's averaged over nine wins a year over six years in a row. That's great. So, as far as I'm concerned, that's really,
3: really good. So he shut that down. So Kalani's going to have to do it now and then do it again in two years. But you really you wanted that because that meant you were in a conference and you got in to, you know, it's not the best, but I think it's pretty good. And then maybe they can grow. Who's to say, man? Because these these programs that they're bringing in are all in pretty good spots. I mean, unlike Colorado, it was a trash program when it when it came in and really hadn't gotten a whole lot better uh, except for one season. Cincinnati and
2: UCF really have it going. They really have it going. Yeah, so is BYU. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Houston's been a little up and down, but mm-hmm. it wasn't that long ago they had it going. Right. Right. So And
3: they weren't as down as Colorado's been, that's for sure. Uh, so, these four programs could actually add to the uh, national stature, and then somebody's going to emerge. I mean, we saw BYU emerge when the Arizonas left back in the 70s, right? So, you have to, it stands to reason, some, somebody in the existing eight,
1: if not multiples, are going to be pretty good too. What do you think, Gordon? BYU standing under Kalani Satake in college football?
4: Growing. Growing. That's what it is. Yeah, Lavelle Edwards did what he did back in the day, and uh, there was a little slump with Gary Croton, and then, uh, then uh, Bronco stepped in and started to rebuild that, tailed off a little bit toward the end. Kalani comes in, tries to heal the program, and uh, stumbles for a while, and then st- starts to build upward again. And uh, they had that big year last year under really weird circumstances, but makes no difference. We're talking about perception here. And uh, the way BYU has started this year, it's looking pretty good. So, yeah, do do the guys around the country uh, who vote in polls, do they notice what's going on? Yeah, they do. They notice this stuff, and that's part of status building. And so Kalani is – that's why – Certain writers are, are suggesting that Kalani is a fine candidate. Uh, that doesn't happen if BYU's prestige isn't, isn't growing. And the fact that, like Zach Wilson, uh, him being drafted as with the second overall pick in the NFL is huge. BYU has gotten all kinds of pub for that in, in the largest media market in the country.
1: I found uh, PK's thought about how it'll all start over again when they get into the Big 12 kind of interesting. You could view that as uh, uh, kind of a downside, or you could view it as an opportunity, really, because I I don't know how great a football conference the Big 12 is actually going to be. So I, I think they have the ability to step in and have some immediate success. I don't know if that's win the league, per se, but I certainly think they have a chance to be
4: a very competitive team. I I kind of agree with what Pete gave was saying, but I kind of disagree from this standpoint. It's more about substantiation from this point forward. If if they have another solid year this year and next year, and when they go into the Big Twelve, yeah, there there is this sort of process you got to go through from a perception standpoint. But I think it's already moving in that direction, and so. Yeah, BYU football is being rebuilt. What do
1: you think about my thought about uh, do you think it's going to be a great league? Do you think BYU can step in and be competitive right away? Because that's more what I was getting at.
4: Well, BYU is in a little better situation than, say, certain teams are when they go into new leagues, power leagues, uh, under normal circumstances. If Oklahoma and Texas were still there, then I, I would think – my natural inclination would be that it's going to take some building years in order to, to for them to uh, be at that level. But with the league the way it is now, I, I think they are stepping up a week-by-week week kind of competitive situation. And that's one thing we learned as they were talking about when the Utes went to the Pac-12. When you're playing a quality opponent every single week, which is what Tom Homo has tried to build through the years, in independence but now it's there with teams that recognize you who have, are building rivalries with you who you can't surprise by just swinging into town for a couple of days and then heading out it becomes more difficult so uh but I think they are at a, at a better position than a lot of teams are when they join new associations
1: Let's get to Hanson Scotty. They had Brian Fisher on. He covers college football for collegefootballtalk.com dot com and talked about the Utes, the Cougs, and the Trojans.
0: Were you surprised to see BYU snap that nine game losing skid? Uh, you know, slightly. I think just because of the the optimism
5: you know surrounding the the Utes program uh, coming into not only this game but I think this season, you know, especially with uh, you know Charlie Brewer kind of uh, for a lot of folks you know representing that missing piece in, in an offense that uh, has struggled over the years and. Um, you know, I, I think that they've, they've certainly got something in, in Micah Bernard, but uh, I think that the way the defense played there, just the the herky jerky nature of the Utes offense, um, you know, was a little bit surprising for me. But you know, hats off to BYU. That that was an impressive performance. You, you had the crowd going. Uh, it, it was an electric atmosphere down there in Provo, and um, you know, you add to it uh, just the, the amount of plays they made. Um, you know, whether it was Jaron Hall, whether it was. You know, uh, that opportunistic defense, um, you know, they, they made the, the right plays. And uh, it was, a, I think, a thrilling win, uh, not only for that fan base to, to snap the streak, you know, when they did it, uh, given that there is a bit of a serious break coming up here. But uh, what, what a 48 hours, you know, for, for BYU when, when you add in the Big 12 invite and everything that went into that game. Uh, it was an impressive uh, victory, no doubt.
0: So BYU now starts 2-0 and against Arizona and Utah. They've got another opportunity this weekend against Arizona State in Lavelle Edwards Stadium. I think it lines up pretty well for a really nice power in Arizona State coming into Lavelle Edwards Stadium. What do you expect this weekend from that Sun Devils-Cougars matchup here in Provo? Well,
5: it's going to be interesting because I'm not quite sure that Arizona State has been playing up to their potential. I mean, this is a team that – You know, frankly, had had it not been for the NCAA investigation and everything that's been going on off the field, um, that that you could make a legitimate case this is probably one of the favorites in the Paco South. And, um, you know, I I don't think they've been, you know, quite as sharp offensively. Uh, You know, Jaden Daniels has been able to run around, but, you know, in terms of the the Christmas of of, of a passer that uh, is entering his third season as a starter, you kind of expect a little bit more. And and we haven't quite seen that. And, you know, they've they've been making, you know, bad penalties here and there, um, you know, just really not – not showing a whole lot now. Maybe that's just because of the opponents that they've had, and in terms of the, the level of play, is has not been that great. And they're saving some things for not only this BYU game, but but later into that Pac-12 schedule. But um, you know, it, it's just been not uh, not quite as crisp. You know, I think as, as you wanted out ASU, and I think that's kind of reflected in, in this close line. I mean, BYU is is playing well. They've got a lot of momentum coming into this, and and, and as you guys know, that they take these games against Pac-12 opponents seriously, and. The opportunity to kind of go three and zero against the Pac-12, right? You know, early in the year, uh, I think is, is going to be, uh, you know, lead to an exciting atmosphere. And I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if BYU comes in there and, and just, you know, really physically, you know, makes makes ASU pay uh, in, in the trenches, in particular, uh, in this game.
0: I mean obviously the Arizona Arizona is not particularly a good team but Utah is and Arizona State is if BYU knocks off the two teams that uh, many felt would be near the top of the south division I mean is this a team that uh, we have to take really really seriously going with a chance to uh, make a make a big impact on the national scene
5: Yeah, I I think so. And, and, you know, keep in mind, they also got that that USC game uh, at the end of the year. So, uh, you know, the the opportunity to stack those big-time wins uh, on on each other is going to be, you know, a key. And, And let's face it, you know, I think after certainly those first couple of weekends, um, you know, as, as much as the focus in the Pac-12 was, you know, about Oregon and, and helping the national picture, um, you know, if, if, if the Ducks take a loss, you know, in, in conference play, they're still going to need um, some good good victories to kind of build upon. And if BYU's out there uh, knocking off some of those opponents, I uh, mean, it's not going to help the Pac-12's case nationally um, when, when you're talking about the small bullet points. Uh, comparing some of those national title contenders out of the Pac-12 compared to uh, you know one loss Big Ten team, a one loss ACC team, so you know BYU can still have an impact on the national picture, like you're saying, uh, but by getting these wins and, and making these things competitive with these Pac-12 teams.
4: Imagine for just a minute making you the athletic
0: director at USC right now. Name the first three guys. That you would reach out to.
5: If I were in Mike Bone's shoes, I, I think there's there's no doubt about it. I'd be going after James Franklin, and and I'll give you another name too. I, I, I don't know how much interest he, he would truly have, uh, but but I think Dan Mullen would be another name that hmm. uh, he, he he would bring the kind of gravitas. He, he's obviously operated in the SEC. Uh, you know, he, he's he's a bit of a prickly personality. That that's for sure. But uh, I think Dan Mullen, with the way he develops quarterbacks, the way he can put offenses that pile up points, I think he would be tailor made to turn USC back into a. National national title contender. And uh, although he has one of the five or 10 best jobs already, um, you know, being out of the SEC, having that easier path to the playoff, uh, I think that could certainly represent an, an opportunity for him that uh, he might consider.
1: Brian Fisher, collegefootballtalk.com. Gordon talking about the use cooks and a uh, little USC in there too.
4: Yeah. All the above, all we've been talking about all day through the show. And uh, I, I, I find the, uh, <laughs> I think BYU is in a real interesting position right now. It has a wonderful opportunity to have a special season. Uh, And obviously, we're very early into that, and they're going to have to uh, continue to power forward with great focus in order to make it special, uh, to keep it special. Uh, Utah, on the other hand, going up against San Diego State, a good San Diego State team, uh, needs to put itself back on the right track mentally physically so that they can move forward with their Pac-12 schedule and and do what the what their goal is before they start every season and that is to win the Pac-12 and they there's been nothing happened that has uh, diminished that other than what might be banging around inside of their own heads what are the condition USC is going to be in by the time they play BYU let's see that's the end of November right thanksgiving weekend yeah, I don't know. That's Will that's, they have rallied mystery. around the interim guy and be playing good football, or will it just go downhill? Well, they got a lot of talent, uh, but obviously that talent needs to be organized in an effective way. And I, I really don't know the answer to that question because I don't think the interim guy is going to be a real candidate. I mean, USC has been tangled up in that sort of thing before. I, I think they know who they want. A lot of times, when a coach is fired, the, the 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 big dogs know who they want. I don't know if that's
1: the case here. I'm not necessarily disagreeing with, well, you, but the the timing not, of it. Not I mean,
4: specifically, but they have a handful of people they have their eye on. I I would believe that, but firing. After the second
1: game and quite literally reacting to a loss, I just I bet they haven't back channeled it <laughs> okay quite as well. well as it maybe doesn't some seem other, very
0: well thought out, does
1: it? You know, when a team's limping down the stretch, you know, <laughs> I bet uh, they've back channeled that situation well before they fire somebody, but this seems much more reactionary to me. And honestly, if they were back channeling potential coaches in the offseason, they uh, just absolutely another reason they should have just fired Indeed, it,
4: what you so, what you described their take makes perfect sense. And it's so illogical what has happened here. It's like uh, just uh, just a, a quick reaction, in in the, an emotional reaction, as opposed to planning this thing out the way it should have been. If you're going to offload him, then offload him before the season. If you're if you're not going to, then okay, then then let him have his run and don't fire him after a couple games. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. I, but, and what does that say to potential candidates who are going to consider the situation there? Unless there's some sort of inside story that we're unaware of where something happened that uh, forced their hand. But if it's just the loss, that, that's fairly pathetic, I would say. Uh, can something be fairly pathetic or is it either pathetic or not?
1: It's, it's pathetic. It, we, we touched on this a little bit yesterday, but the thing to me is, if I'm watching this, it would be interesting. We should get our guy Petros uh, on the air to talk about this sometime. <laughs> but um, Utah or excuse me, USC's position with the new president. It was we are new sheriff in town. Right. It, you know, I, yeah. I can I really say this? But uh, they're cleaning up the swamp. So or, we're above the fray. Or, or, or listen, the, the, the internal culture of this athletic program has, has led to some pretty bad things. And that, that goes along with with boosters and all of that stuff. And this new regime at USC was supposed to be, hey, we're gonna push back against that and do it right. We're gonna hire a traditional athletic director. We're going to reform in a sense the, the athletic department here at USC. That we're putting our flag in the you know, our flag in the ground. Uh, Clay Hilton might not be the best coach in the world, but darn it, he's a good guy, and we're gonna start prioritizing that here at USC and then have that last for two games before they're like, nope, we're caving, never mind, <laughs> never is, mind. This is
4: so much worse than if they had just offloaded him during in the, the offseason. In the first place, yep. Because now it looks like some booster rolled into the office of the president and said, you get rid of that guy or I ain't paying you another dime. Which is probably exactly what happened.
1: And then it they prioritized the, the dime makes, over the
0: yeah, athletic, makes,
4: athletic program. It makes the university look silly. Right. And reactionary, right? And emotional, and, and like, nothing's just like nothing's changed. Like nothing's changed with the
1: new AD, who was supposed to be the adult in the room. Nothing's changed. They're still firing coaches after two games. I mean, I made a, a tarmac joke the other day, uh, but this is the organization that fired Lane Kiffin on the tarmac. Well, look,
4: if I'm an accomplished coach somewhere else and that's kind of what USC wants, they want—they don't want a, uh, somebody who's a neophyte. They want somebody who's established and has a name. Uh, and if, if that person, whoever it is, is comfortable where he is and is making a lot of money where he is, I would definitely think think five times before I would take that job. I know how it works down there. I've seen it up close. I mean, and then the proof is right there in front of you. You really want to work for people that just fired a coach after two games? Does that sound like a healthy environment? All that does is substantiate everything everybody already thinks about SC. All
1: right, let's jump out of the zone phone. Joining us now from Premier Wave Therapy, he's our friend Dr. Johnson. Give him a call, 385-360-WAVE. And, Doctor, this is exciting. You've got a new equipment, and you're the only one in town with it and can do things better.
6: Yep, so we just got it a little over a week ago, week and a half ago, and it was a long process. It took, uh, it took the company 10 years to get through the FDA approval process, but it's been studied extensively and vetted by other professionals, and it's been shown to be very effective. In fact, it's two times or more effective than any other machine on the market, and that's because it's more powerful. It penetrates five times as deep.
1: Wow, that's uh, that really sounds amazing, and uh, it's no coincidence uh, that you guys are first with this technology.
6: You no, know, because we, you know, I've spent my career helping develop lasers. In fact, the CO two laser we use for the women's side for vaginal rejuvenation, I helped develop that laser. So the laser company actually approached us and asked if we'd be one of their premier partners to help train others. So we got the laser ahead of everybody else so we could help people as other practices start buying this uh, laser or this machine you know we can help train them so we're the experts in this so to speak
1: and why it's uh, awesome that you're doing such a great deal for our listeners making it affordable
6: yeah so we're trying to make it affordable because it's you know a condition everyone not everyone but many people suffer from and there's various forms and not everyone's lost complete function but it can help almost everybody so our offer is, you know, if you call and mention 1280 to zone, you get $300 off. And for all those who've actually tried the treatment before from another place and not, have not been satisfied with the results, come see us. We'll give you half off of all our treatments.
1: 385360 oh, That is the number to call to take advantage, 3853609283. Three, oh, three. You can also go online, premierwave.com. Doctor, thank you very much.
6: Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks.
1: That number again, 385 360 Wave. More big show coming up next 97.5 and 1280, The Zone.
0: It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. Uh-huh. 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 The Aggies open Mountain West Conference play with a trip to the Air Force Academy for a showdown against the Falcons. Hear all the pregame action beginning with the Aggie pregame show this Saturday at 4.30 on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 12.80, The Zone, in the Zone Sports Network. your home for the best college football coverage in Utah this is your Cougars at 30 update on 975 1280 the zone and the zone sports Network
1: Cougars at 30 update here's Kalani Sitake give his thoughts on the Arizona State defense.
2: Really well coached as well. They have tons of athletes, size, playmaking ability at a lot of different places. And notice their their linebackers are very active. Well coached team, they're ranked for a reason. So looking forward to them being here in our home and looking forward to the matchup and and the game.
1: This update brought to you by Rough Tough, They set the industry standard for custom seat covers for cars, trucks, SUVs, and UTVs. Get the best fit seat covers for the make, model, and year of your vehicle and do some business with the Utah company since 1976. Check them out today, RuffTuff.com. That's RoughTuff.com.
3: We'll make a
0: play. The best college football coverage in Utah is right here on the Zone Sports Network. We don't quit. Let's go. Fresh off their win against Utah, BYU welcomes in Arizona State this Saturday for a showdown against the Sun Devils. Huh? Huh? You're listening to The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network.
1: show gordon monson jake scott 97.5 and 1280 the zone how long would you last gordon how many days in a row could you rock and roll all night and party every day
4: uh, probably one could you make it 24 hours from reports i heard about tim's party you didn't really make it one night then did you fall asleep
1: at the tim's
4: concert no i thought you had i, I was told you had like earplugs and stuff no Huh. I didn't have earplugs. You think I would have planned ahead with earplugs? That's just what I was told. I didn't have earplugs.
1: Austin, could you make it at least forty eight hours rocking and rolling all night and partying every day?
4: Uh I wanna believe I could because I do like that sort of thing, but I know my cardio is not up for not that. Not there. Okay. <laughs> I haven't been there for a while.
1: If
0: no, I can no, do no so in a in a seated position. Hold Jake. on a second.
4: Yeah. So you gotta be you gotta be uh in good shape. To rock all night long and party every day? I would think so. Is your average rock and roller out there in prime physical condition? Most of them, yeah. <laughs> you think so, I do, do. you? Yeah. Um, a little jazz
1: uh, topic for you here, Gordon. Um, Austin tweeted out uh, this uh, ESPN. Did its panel and predictions and that sort of thing. And they had the Utah Jazz of having the best record, predicting they will have the best record in the Western Conference at 55-27. and 27, Two games better than the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, then they had the Phoenix Suns at 3, Denver at 4, Dallas at 5, Golden State at 6, and the Clippers at 7? Is that right?
4: Uh, as a play-in team. Play-in tournament, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I saw that too and I thought, wow, I wouldn't have guessed that it would go that
2: way.
1: Basically, they uh, they credit the Jazz upgrading uh, some of the bench role players, um, swapping out George Niang and Derek Favorites for Rudy Gay and Hassan Whiteside, which yeah. I, th- I think will have an impact. I, I, I can see why folks would predict that the Jazz could do that again. And why is that, do you think, primarily? Because they were really good when they were really good last year. Why couldn't they be able to duplicate that, at least at some point during the regular season? Take the playoffs out of it for a second. Yeah. People are doubting about the playoffs. I mean, there there was a stretch. You forget, uh, Gordon, there was a stretch. The, the Jazz were winning games at a clip that the Jazz in the 90s didn't even win at. They were doing things that the Jazz have never done as a franchise. And last we checked, the Jazz were a pretty consistently good franchise over the years. So, I mean... You, you, you roll the same squad back, you know, if you, unless I guess you could make an argument that Mike Conley would, would lose it in one offseason, which I don't know if I'd buy into that. But why wouldn't they be able to do that again? Or at least why wouldn't that be a legitimate conversation?
4: And it's a compliment to uh, the Jazz's stars, you know, like that they are capable of, of repeating what happened last time around. Uh, I yeah, I I I think that's a real nice compliment that they are looking at things beyond just what everybody else gets caught up in.
1: And I come back to this, which not all of our NBA guests have agreed with me on, but I don't think anybody in the in the West really got any better. Denver extended when we asked Locke about this. He, he talked about how Denver getting Aaron Gordon that that worked for a little while, but didn't turn out to It, it was a successful move, but didn't turn out to move the meter after Jamal Murray got hurt. So maybe you think uh, they extend him and we haven't had a chance to see if that addition really puts them over the top. But I'm not convinced by that. I suppose that could be. But I don't know if I'm necessarily buying that. Look,
4: I, I'm just uh, – and I know PK is going to make fun of me with this because he always jokes saying I'm picking the, the Jazz to go all the way this year and I'm not doing that. You are? But – I'm. well, he he always makes that joke. But I think, I think the Jazz are going to be really, really good. I think they have improved themselves. I think their stars will be better. You add that up. Uh, nothing fluky about what happened last year. Well, yeah, I know the Lakers were hurt, but the Jazz were hurt late. I mean, those things happen. I think I think Jazz are in good shape. I mean, Jazz had a really good record last year. I don't know if the Lakers staying healthy,
1: if they would have had a better record. Yeah, than the I Jazz. don't know. I think that. that's far from conclusive. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think the Lakers got better this offseason. yeah, there are other
4: people out there that do. I don't. Um, but but that's what I'm talking about is kind of big name splashes that uh, get people's attention, but does it really, really improve your team? i the The surprising one to me is Dallas
1: not doing anything. yeah, more substantial mm-hmm. because I feel like Dallas and Portland, too, for that matter. That they're the team that's where they are, and yeah, Luca's going to get better in Dallas's case, and, and Damian Lillard's great for Portland, but they're kind of topped out, don't you think, where they
4: are? I've, I thought so. I, I
1: Well, Luca will get better. I, I think but how much does that really better. matter this upcoming season? Right. Because he's been really good. I don't know how much better he can
4: actually be and how many wins that would turn into. I don't know what Dallas's financials were. Do you, do you recall I could look it up. Were they hamstrung at all? But I'm I'm surprised. I'm, I agree with you. With Mark Cuban being as aggressive as he is and wants another title the way he does, well, that team they have right now isn't good enough to do that. And so will it grow into being good enough? The problem with it is that if you're real herky-jerky with your team, then sometimes you can fall in arrears faster than you're moving forward. But— uh, I, I would have expected something to uh, to break for them. Their books
1: are actually pretty clean for the upcoming year. Mm. They're p- paying Porzingis thirty one six. They're paying Hardaway twenty one three, but they only have to pay Luca ten million dollars next year. Their overall cap as it sits now is at about one hundred four million, which is actually a really good number. I'm I'm what I'm surprised about is
4: that Porzingis is still on the team.
1: I don't know. Maybe some folks out there think that that has the possibility of working, but I am not one of them.
4: Sometimes you back it up, you rerun it, it can be better. Oh. I liked Porzingis at one point. Can he recapture that? Uh, I don't know. I see where you're doubtful of that. I
1: don't think he's what that team needs. I don't think he's a good uh, Robin to Lucas Batman.
4: Well, what that team's what that team needs is Mike Conley or someone like him. Oh, I don't think. I don't know if I agree with that. Why, why would you say they need Mike Conley? Do you want Luka Doncic to handle the ball every time down the floor? Yeah, he's the point guard. Uh, I think there are, there are ways to uh, utilize his skills without having him do that. You want to take Luka Doncic off the ball? I, I utilize him in a way where he doesn't have to have the responsibility to have the ball in his hand all the time. Well, Maybe I'm just basing that off what I saw in the playoffs. It seems like he just sort of – that didn't work. And so there might be a better way to utilize – look, he's terrific. He's a wonderful talent. But I think he could be utilized maybe in a little more versatile way.
1: I don't like watching that style of play where one guy just has the ball the whole game. Granted,
4: but I don't know if that's Dallas's first problem. What do you think their first problem is, other than Porzingis?
1: No, but I think that's it. I think he. I mean, this this actually kind of agrees with the point you were making in a way. I just don't know if a, a point guard is exactly the cure for it. But anyway, you need more players to put around him and players that are going to be productive and complementary. I don't think Porzingis is that. Plus, I think he's soft. So what are you going to play him at, a, a stretch four or a soft five? I just, I mean, he gives you some scoring, but he doesn't really give you any defense or toughness. He's a uh, average rebounder at best. Okay. Tim Hardaway's a scorer. I mean, what he, what Stapps does best, I don't know if that's what they need.
4: Hmm. Okay, then I'm just thinking this through. Hang with me on this. What if you had. What, what, yeah. Did Ken Porzingis play the low post?
1: I don't know. I'm more. Listen, Luca. Luca's not playing it in defense what, anymore. What, what, what if so, Luca played point forward? That's point guard. It's the same thing.
5: Hmm. It's
4: a little different. Well, why wasn't Magic a point forward then? <laughs> Ah, Because they had James Worthy to handle the business uh, of of a forward. Magic Magic. Johnson is pound for pound the best point guard who ever lived. Why are you going to drag Magic into this?
1: Well, because I don't know what a point forward is and what would be the difference between a Luka Doncic point forward and Magic Johnson point guard. A
4: point forward would be, well, in the way I'm envisioning it, maybe along the lines of a Larry Bird. Because Luca has that kind of talent. What do you mean by that, though? Well, he, you know, he can hit the shot and he can make the pass. He can set up his teammates, but he doesn't have to to dribble the ball all the time. He's pretty good at dribbling the ball. <laughs> yeah, but you can't you can't count on one player to do everything. At the offensive end, at least. You well, can't do that.
1: I guess that's my point. Why don't they find a player who can play defense and be
4: tough? Okay. Because Lucas right. never going to be that. I'm trying to think who's the player, who is the player that fits the bill. I don't know.
1: Maybe we'd get a little more into it if we were doing a show in Dallas. But the point was that I don't think anybody in the West got any better, which I think leaves the door open for the Jazz. There. There. Conversation back circle. We got got
4: there. (laughs) I agree. I think the Jazz are going to be very – I think they're going to be formidable this year. Um, And we'll see if the the moves they made and the improvement, the organic improvement that a guy like Donovan Mitchell makes, a little more awareness on the floor, a little better defense, whether that will be enough to put them over – they're not that far away, folks. They are not that far away. They are—that's within shouting distance. It really is. It might even be within regular talking distance. It might be within whispering distance.
0: Uh, social distance, please.
4: Yeah, you're right. We better wait, wait. But maybe by the end of the season, hopefully this this dragon will be slayed by then. Stay tuned. More big show
1: coming up next. 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. UT 50 update. Here's Coach Witt asked if his team's fixed problems from week one to week two. Well, they did on defense. We just
3: got pushed around. Like I said, it was a physical issue on defense in the second half. Offensively, we're still not able to get into a rhythm. Uh, We're pressing the clock too much, not getting out of the huddle in time. It seems like we're scrambling to get out of the huddle and get the play called. Everything's got to be more in sync. And right now, there was a lot of stuff that showed up in the first game that was still there in the second game. We've got to continue to try to fix
1: it. This update brought to you by Mountain Mike's. From outstanding pizza and wings to great appetizers and desserts, get to Mountain Mike's Pizza, 3785 West, 104 South in South Jordan. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jig Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day.
4: Did you get into KISS when they were thing, Gordon? Not really, no. Why not? I don't know. It just one, wasn't my thing. I have great respect for Johnny, and Johnny thinks that KISS is a great band. And I, I just didn't dive into the whole makeup thing and the tongue thing. and the whole, It just wasn't my wasn't my thing. I mean, I don't really hate their music, but never really got it. A little radical for you? No, not really. I just didn't like the uh I want my music authentic and that just seemed like a whole sort of sh- put on to me. Not into performance art, huh? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't it just wasn't wasn't necessarily for me. I didn't hate it. I didn't really love it. More of a Glenn Miller guy. <laughs> Oh, he could—he uh, could lead a band. He could. He you know, did. Don't have band leaders like that anymore.
1: Like Glenn Miller? Yeah. No, I suppose we don't.
4: Where, where happened to the Tommy Dorseys of the world? I don't know. I don't even know who that is. Ella Fitzgerald. I know her. Duke Ellington. I know him. Louis Armstrong. Heard of him?
1: Tommy. Dorsey? The Dorsey's. Beatles. Isn't Tommy Dorsey some sort of running back? <laughs>
4: Uh, it, I, I don't want to play this game with you because learn your music, will you, Jake? And then come back to me and we'll talk. The Beatles are the most overrated band in history.
1: Tommy the Freight Train Dorsey. <laughs> 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 Tell me that doesn't sound like a, a good name for a running back. Uh, it does sound pretty good, actually. Right? hmm Tommy Freight Train Dorsey. But well, you're thinking of Tony Dorset. I don't know who I'm thinking of. Just sounded like a running back name to me. No,
4: <laughs> no, not at all. Tony the Horsey Dorsey. Speaking of names, how about that... little Sam Cook.
1: Oh, I love yeah. Sam Cook. Yeah. Sure. Speaking of names that are strangely appropriate, let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now from <laughs> Premier Wave Therapy is our friend Doctor Johnson. Hello, Doctor.
6: <laughs> hey guys, how you doing? Let's end this thing strong today. Yeah, right. let's do
1: it. I love it. We're helping our listeners, and uh, you guys are out there doing it better than anybody else.
6: Yep, we have brand new technology, hot off the presses, so to speak. Only one in Utah with it and one of six in the world. And, and it has the government stamp of approval, which I don't know if that's good or bad, but it has been through the vetting process that I know. And so it's been shown to be very effective, twice as effective as any other treatment on the market and penetrates five times as deep. So we can get to those hard reach areas, so to speak.
1: And you guys are all about uh, making it a positive experience, doing it better, and making folks comfortable.
6: Yeah, you know, we we signed a premier, uh, premier package with the um, with the manufacturers to help you know improve the protocols and to help uh, make it a great experience for everyone. So we thought of try to think of everything, make it a comfortable experience, we have a great trained staff, a comfortable environment, and it's painless. The treatment is painless, even though it's. More powerful, it's still painless, just because of the technology. So it's a great setup.
4: Doctor Johnson, uh, Jake, and I have both been out to your place there, and it is very comfortable. It's it's a real good environment, based on what we uh, experienced.
6: Yeah, I appreciate it. My sister in law actually who was our interior designer, so she went after the Coventry, England spa look. <laughs>
4: <laughs> All right. Well, she nailed it. It's cool. I yeah. knew, I knew, Doctor. I knew that's what it was, yeah. Coventry. Spa, yeah. You did. Yeah, you're so <laughs> yep. sophisticated.
1: Uh, and uh, <laughs> listeners out there, jump on it, because this is a great deal going on right now, and uh, you want to incentivize folks just to, to call and see if they, you can help.
6: Yeah, so if you mention the zone when you call, you know, um <clears throat> the zone, then we'll give you $300 off your treatment package. But the thing that we're really trying to push is that there's a lot of people who've tried other treatments and haven't quite gotten the results they want. Not that those treatments aren't bad, they're just not as effective, like I said, it's like driving a Civic versus driving a Ferrari. We can get you there twice as fast and with twice as much power. So those people, if you come in and show us that you've gone another place and haven't got the results you want, we'll give you half off your treatments.
1: Here's the number to call, 385-360-WAVE. That's 385-360-9283. You can go online to PremierWave.com as well. Doctor, thank you very much.
6: Yeah, appreciate it. You guys have a nice day.
1: Appreciate you, buddy. Uh, 385 360 Wave. That's 385 360 Wave. Premier Wave Therapy. All right. Uh, We'll have more big show coming up straight ahead 97.5 and 1280 the zone.
0: Now, let's get this party started. Uh This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Brian Fisher from Athlon Sports. What do you expect this weekend from that Sun Devils-Cougars matchup here in Provo? It's going to be interesting because
5: I'm not quite sure that Arizona State has been playing up to their potential. I mean, this is a team that, you know, frankly, had it not been for the NCAA investigation and everything that's been going on off the field, that you could make a legitimate case this is probably one of the favorites in the back the south. I don't think they've been quite as sharp offensively. You kind of expect a little bit more, and, and we haven't quite seen that I think that's kind of reflected in this close line I mean BYU is playing well they've got a lot of momentum coming into this and and as you guys know they take these games against Pac-12 opponents seriously and I wouldn't be surprised at all if BYU comes in there and just physically makes ASU pay in the trenches in particular in this game.
0: Hanson Scotting weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network.
1: Wrapping up a big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. What you got going on tonight, Gordon? Anything fun?
4: Uh, Nothing planned. Nothing planned? Just going home? Going to go Enjoying home. Enjoying your spot on the couch? <laughs> going to have myself uh, some good vittles. And, uh, What's a vittle? Food, 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 food. Is that German? You've never heard the saying vittles? I don't think so. For food? Austin? I thought it was like like kibbles, like dog food. No. Vittles is like what you what you Whatever's laying around. (laughs) I am shocked. You guys have never heard the term vittles. Google that, will you, Jake? Google Vittles and see what see what you're I've always Google. What is it? V I T T How would we know L -L 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 E S or something like that? Vittles? Vittles Vittles
1: definition is supplies of food. Yeah. yeah. Victuals now a chief and now chiefly used playfully to evoke the supposed language of cowboys. Yeah.
4: That's what I was going to say around the
0: county. New York City.
4: <laughs> so I'll have myself some vittles tonight. Don't know exactly what it'll be, but I like that. I like sort of the opportunity of just man doing things as they come. So I'm, that's what I'm gonna do tonight. No, see what I don't like is night after night of having every, every having a whole agenda of everything that has to be that you that you're planning on doing. Isn't it wonderful to have an open night to do kind of whatever comes natural?
1: <laughs> yeah, Austin and I haven't had that in years. So thanks for <laughs> rubbing that in. You know what I'm gonna do? I mean, I've got four baskets of laundry waiting for me at home to be folded because you know what my wife doesn't enjoy doing. So I uh, jump in to do.
4: I married well. And Jake didn't? Well, uh, he, he married well, but apparently he's got to do a lot of laundry tonight. That's that's part of being a, a dutiful husband and father. You Look, do what the I, family needs. If I went into the laundry room and started doing laundry, my wife would probably come in there and say, I'll, I got, I'll do this the way I want it done, not the way you want She would appreciate the effort. And I do give that F. You know what, you my, don't.
1: I, no, I do. I you do.
4: You make. You go in there and you make it as loud as possible,
1: so everyone knows you're attempting it, so that they come in and shoo you out. Austin, have you? Your Harper's uh, not as old as uh, Sadie. Is Sadie's four in a couple of months? We've already started the do-your-own-laundry training. Wow. Yeah. We're all, we're already jumping on it.
4: Are you ready for a detergent uh, disaster? I, if, if it means she does her own laundry, we can. You mean fold or clean and fold both. Wow! Start the washer? Yeah,
1: we're making the pushing buttons thing. Oh, uh,
4: you're 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 asking for trouble there. It's going to be more trouble than it's worth. How would you know? She's four years old. Yeah, but it's laundry, and you don't do it right. I I have done plenty of laundry in my day. This is like me looking over a surgeon's shoulder, going, hmm,
1: "Don't know if I'd do that." And and by the way, what's what's a bigger what's a bigger pain in my behind? Do folding her laundry until she's whatever years old, or having her turn a few whites pink or whatever? I don't care. <laughs>
4: okay, all right, you do it your way. It's fine.
0: Our daughter sees us folding laundry, and she's like a puppy. She just gets on the pile and just starts throwing it everywhere.
4: <laughs> As a normal kid would. I, not, I, not, not, honey. Get in there and do that laundry. No, but now, they're making it fun, he
1: said. Yeah, and I, I I'm not asking her to do my laundry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Like needs, someone else in the room here. <laughs> she needs to do her laundry.
4: I can't believe you are expecting out of a four-year-old for her to do her own laundry.
1: Well, we'll see yeah, how it continues to go. She's not Say, doing no, it. It's
4: not won't go well.
1: She's not doing it unsupervised at the moment, but I'm hoping you're, in a, in a couple of weeks we'll get no, there.
4: No, you're going to have a bubble bath in your laundry room.
1: Oh, I think we'll be fine.
4: That's going to be A happen. bubble bath in our laundry you're room. She's been- not using 40 Mule Team <laughs> <laughs> Borax. <laughs> I'm telling
1: and you. And what year do you think it is? All
4: she has to do is push a couple of buttons. Oh, no, she, she, she has to put just the right amount of detergent in there. She's gotta figure out which load what you know, is it a white load? Is it a big load? Is it a hot load? Is it uh, what is it? Is it uh, is it cold water you want in there? Do you want softener mixed in?
1: I've been doing laundry for a long time, Gordon. Never had bubbles all over the floor. Not once. Austin? Well, you're not I four. don't know that I could do it if I tried. I know, if I attempted to do it, I'd They, don't they think all I come could. in little pods now. You just put one in
4: and there it goes. <laughs> You wash it all in cold, you've got no problems. No problem at all. I don't use pods. We use uh, just liquid detergent you pour in. Weesh. Are you sure about that? Oh, yes. I do. I Look, you guys, I know what I'm talking what, about. What brand?
1: Tide. Is that just the most obvious brand, no. or is that the, the no,
4: correct one? It, it is, and there's a line in there, and you just uh, you don't go past the line and you judge it by the size of uh, how, ma- how many clothes you got in there. What's the brand fra- uh, fabric softener? Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't use that. <laughs> well, you enjoy your night of not doing laundry, Gordon. <laughs> I will. Uh, good night to everybody. We hope you have a really, really good one, including Jake. Hope your house. You know what's going to happen is your your washer is going to start uh, walking across the room because the load will be uneven. Big show. Ninety-seven-five and twelve-eighty. The zone.